Well, good morning. It's good to have all of you here today. It's week four of this series called It Might Get Loud. And this is what I understand. Uh, summer is kind of like officially over finally. And so uh, I just want to say welcome back to many, many of you who've been traveling, vacationing down the shore, enjoying, enjoying the weekend with ocean waves and the breeze. And I'm bitter, very bitter. But uh, it's good to have you all, all back. And uh, if you're a guest with us today, again, just thank you for coming and check, checking things out today. And don't be concerned if you missed one, two, or three of the past weeks of this series. Don't feel like you're going to get lost today. You, you won't get lost. Actually, you kind of came to the very most important week of this four-week series. And I know for some of you now are thinking, wow, I've been here the past three weeks. I could have taken three weeks off from church um, no, you can't. That's bad. And, uh, but uh, don't feel, you're not going to get lost today because today really kind of ends this series and probably the most significant uh, kind of maybe component of all of our spiritual walks. It's going to challenge. There's going to be many questions left unanswered. I'm just telling you that. I don't have enough time uh, to get through every different angle of what we're going to talk about today. But also today really takes uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, these two verses that we've been spending now, this is the fourth weekend, and kind of takes them all and kind of lands them right at the very end of verse 2. And that's what worship is going to be all about. It's about today. We had two two, uh, uh, main objectives in this series, uh, other than just to talk about this word worship. We wanted to talk about how we worship by singing here at Renaissance Church. And uh, if you've been here over the last uh, three weeks, you'll know that that worship and our kind of our singing time has been uh, uh, kind of different than usual. One of the things that the, 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 the team wanted to do was kind of reclaim some of the old hymns and kind of bring the old hymns into more of a, a, a current form. And they've done an amazing job. They've been so inspired that literally they're working on a five, six song EP right now that we're going to distribute out here as soon as they get it done. And I heard a rough cut of one of the songs, and it's great. And so they've been kind of creatively inspired uh, as they've gone through this series. And for some of you, you've walked in maybe to Renaissance for the very first time, and you've heard the hymns. You're like, right on, I love the hymns. Let me promise you, next week, it's going to be totally different. <laughs> Completely. For some of you, you've been shocked going, I didn't know Renaissance had this side to them. You know, Personally, for me, the first uh, time Charlie shared with me this whole concept about, hey, we're going to reclaim hymns. I'm like, you're going to what to what? <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh, man, I've loved them because the words are so rich. What, what I know in this worship series Uh, Everyone kind of views worship a little differently. For some of you, you absolutely love this singing time in church, this worship time in church. So much so, you would, if you had your choice, say, hey, Chris, could you please speak only 30 seconds every Sunday? I would like the rest of the time to sing. That's true. For some of you, it's the exact opposite. You're like, I could do about 30 seconds of this singing thing, and uh, you could talk longer. And probably for everyone else, you're somewhere in between those two extremes. And so we've wanted to talk about why we worship here at Renaissance and what, 
worship by singing, what that really means. And that's some of these videos that we've shown uh, every Sunday, just talking through with Charlie and Yin, just about kind of what worship means to them and what the Bible talks about worship. But you see, worship is so much more than just singing. There's been this simple phrase that we've landed on every week. And uh, it says this, worship is a continuous pursuit, not a momentary event. And that's just been kind of one of those foundational phrases that we've just kind of built upon. And we didn't really kind of make it up. We made up the words, but the concept is right there in Romans chapter 12. It's about this continuous relationship with God. It's about living daily with him. It's not a momentary event on Sunday mornings at the 1015 service where you walk into church, grab your coffee and a bagel, walk in, sit down, check the box, and leave for the week. That's not worship. That's a component of it. But there's so much, so much more. And today, we kind of wrap it all up because... When we live a life in this uh, consistent, continual uh, pursuit of a deepening relationship with God, when we wake up in the morning and realize, okay, God, you and me today, I'll do my best. And when I fail, you'll be there to pick me up. And when you lay your head on the pillow at night, take a deep breath, you go, okay, God, I tried. Tomorrow, I'll do better. And God just says, I know you will. And when you approach life understanding that every day is an act of worship to God, the results, the outcome of that is found in the last part of verse two. And it's why we named the series, It Might Get Loud, because When we live our lives in worship, our lives will get loud. Now today, let me just warn you, uh, we're going to approach a subject matter that uh, we could spend hours, days talking about. We're going to approach a subject matter that uh, uh, more questions are going to be left on the kind of on the floor unanswered. We're going to approach a subject matter that there's no way that I could spend enough time today or next week or the following week, a lifetime, trying to figure out and come out every angle. So I'm just going to let you know, it's one of those subject matters. But it's at the heart of worship. You see, the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, if you've ever studied it before, you know. I think Paul's goal when Paul was writing those first 11 chapters, was just to blow your mind. It's one of those books. I don't care how many years you've been studying the Bible, you, just, you say to someone, Romans, and they're like, yeah, wow. There's moments where Paul will talk to you in circles, and you're like, I think I know, I think you're not. What are you saying? There's moments where you go, wait, did he just say what I think he said? And is that? Is that really, did he mean that? You see, the first 11 uh, uh, chapters of Romans is all this theology. 
But then we roll into chapter 12, and Paul quickly shifts from theology to this doxology. And I wonder, as Paul was praying through and wrestling through and working through and writing this letter to this group of people in Rome. I wonder if Paul himself got to chapter 12 or that part of that letter and said, whew, I'm spent. (laughs) We just need to worship God. You see, in verse 1, he ends verse 1 by saying that this is our true and proper worship. And that's why we decided to spend four weeks in Romans 12, 1 and 2. It gives us the guardrails around what worship truly is about and what it means for all of us. But you see, when we live a life in this continuous pursuit of a relationship with God, in an act of worship. You see, this is the outcome. This is the outcome that will create some noise around your life here on this earth. But this outcome, as powerful as it is, is as complex as you can ever imagine. You see, he ends in verse two. This is what he says. Then, okay, after verse one and into verse two, goes, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's will. Have you ever asked the question, hey God, what's your will for my life? Or hey God, in this decision, uh, which one should I choose? Maybe you've never used the word God's will but I'm sure at some point you've asked God, hey God, what do you want me to do? Which way do you want me to go? Which option is best for me now in the long term? Hey God, I have two people I'm dating. Which one should I ask out and to marry? Okay, hopefully you're not dating two people at once. You know, there's a list of those like, God, what do you want from me? God, where do you want me to go? God, which choice should I choose? God, God, God. And we try to figure out God's will. And there's two things that we kind of lean into. I, well, let me say, at least for me, I do this. I, I, I don't know for you. I think maybe you're like me on this. But when we ask God, which one should I choose? Where should I go? Usually two things I do in that moment. Usually... I impose unto God a timeline. Hey, God, I want your answer, but I need it in the next three days. <laughs> Come on, God, you're quick like that, but you've got to fit into my time frame. And I find myself leaning into God, saying, God, could you please hurry up? Even though I understand that God's time is not my time. And God has a whole bunch of time. He's not in a hurry. The second thing I do is usually I, I kind of lean into God and, and try to, in a very, very, very uh, uh, gentle way, uh, impose my opinion onto God. Hey, God, I, choice A and B, but choice A looks really good for these reasons. Please, God, in the next three days, please. 
And we do that. And sometimes we do that in the funny, f- funny things of life. And, uh, you know, growing up as a, as a kid in school, I, I, again, I don't think I'm the only person in here to ever do this, but I would pray to God to give me wisdom to pass a class. I know, God, I didn't study, but could you just put the answers in my mind, please? I never really gambled in Vegas uh, because I, I value my money. And uh, you see what they do with these casinos? They, just, they would just uh, implode them and build bigger ones. I'm like, well, they're making money somehow. And uh, so I just wouldn't. But next to the movie theater, uh, and most movie theaters in Las Vegas are in casinos. And so you'd walk out of the movie theater and always the mega bucks uh, slot machine would be sitting there. And I'd find myself reaching in my wallet, pulling out $3, and I'd pray, hey, God, God, do you know what I would do with $140 million? I'd give you 40 to 50% of it, God. I would build churches, and I'd go to Africa and build wells. God, I would use that for your name, and I'd put in $3. I'm like, come on, God. Ah, He never answered that prayer. (laughs) He said, you're going to New Jersey. (laughs) Wednesday night, I found myself praying again. This is just kind of like confessional time. I'm praying. I'm like, hey, God, tonight I need you. Hey, God, this is very important. Hey, God, if you could could find it within uh, your power... And I put the time thing on it because it was Wednesday night. I needed them to show up Wednesday night. God, I really want to show up Sunday morning. I really want to show up Sunday morning and be able to say, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Giants. (laughs) Ah, and he answered my prayers. (laughs) My other prayer was, God, please, I know Tony Romo is the quarterback for the Cowboys. Could he please act like a quarterback, and, uh, and actually throw the ball, I would like that also. And Tony Romo showed up. He looked like a quarterback for one week. Uh, next week, or today, I'm sure it'll be a whole different thing. But I love the fact that my Cowboys beat the Giants. Oh, can we just sit here for a moment? I mean, okay, moving on. Right? But we do that. And we could spend a lot of time, like, does God care about those things or not? Like, like do, should we pray for those things or not? And that's for another day and another time. But those are easy moments, especially when we're asking, okay, God, what's your will? What's your plan? Where should I go? What should I do? But what happens on the opposite end of the spectrum when life gets really difficult? When life crashes in, and now you're trying to seek God's will and God's plan, and you're asking the why. I was at Overlook Hospital here in Summit on on, uh, Friday. I don't know if you've ever been to Overlook Hospital. I'm not sure who did the master planning of that hospital. It's the most confusing hospital I've ever been to. And I walked into the front desk. I'm saying, I'm I'm here to see someone in ICU. And the lady goes, which one? We have five or four. I'm like, well, I don't know which one. So she looked it up and she goes, okay, you want ICE too? I was like, great. And she handed me a map with directions. 
literally, it's like a treasure map. I'm like, what do I get at the end if I find it? So I, I literally out loud, I, I, was, I just, this happened. I grabbed it. I'm looking at it going like, wow, this is complex. And I read out loud, walk to the cafe and turn, make a left. So I read this out loud. She starts laughing. She goes, you're the first person today to actually read the directions. I'm like, yes, I'm an overachiever. I finally made my way there, and I was thankful to have the map because if I didn't have the map, I would never have found my way back out. I'd still be there today walking in circles trying to leave the place. But as I made my way through the hospital, and I went to see uh, someone, and it was a great story, and uh, what the doctors were able to do and how he responded to the surgery and the outcome and the prognosis, all of that's awesome. And so there's a lot to celebrate in that moment. I was walking back out, and there's a guy kind of walking uh, past me. He was on the phone, and all I heard him say was, Mom's out of surgery. It's a miracle. The doctors are calling a miracle. It's going to be great. And I'm like, oh, what an incredible story. But yet, I looked in in the waiting room at that, that one ICU, and I don't know people's stories, but their faces said it all. In God's will, what? Why are there some miracles and not others? Why does God cure some people of cancer and not others? Why does God heal some but not all? Why does God protect some but not everyone? I mean, as we approach 9-11 here in two days, for many of you, those have been the questions. Why did God allow that to happen? Why didn't God stop it from happening? Why did my friend, my family member, go into work that day? Why didn't God protect? See, it's one thing to go, okay, God, you allow the Cowboys to win. I don't really think God even cares about the Cowboys, even though they're America's team. But yet, in those moments, we've all had those moments. God, really? You allowed that? God, really? Why didn't you? I listened to this message by a guy named John Piper. Actually, I'm going to uh, send the link out uh, in this week's happenings. So if you don't get the happenings, please fill out the information card and get on our email list. But I'm going to send it out. I'll just challenge you. It it will rattle your brain a little bit uh, or a lot. But he talked about two different types of God's will. God's sovereign will, meaning God is in control. He's all-powerful. And everything that happens is underneath him. And there's a lot to wrestle through in that thought. And the Bible talks about his sovereign will. But yet there's a second piece. It's the will of command. Where God says, hey, don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't be envious. Don't be prideful. Don't lust. Don't commit adultery. Don't, don't, don't. Yet, I'm sure all of us in the last 24 hours have broken at least one of those. 
God's sovereign will, him in control of everything, and his will of command, where he says, hey, don't do these things. But yet we know people do those things all the time. It'd be easy to try to oversimplify those things, but I don't think we can do that. And you might sit back and say, well, Chris, aren't those opposing thoughts? Or you could just kind of lean back and rest in the fact of saying, okay, there's complexities to God that my human mind can never comprehend. There's intricacies of God that I'm glad I can't frame up. Because if I could frame up God, he wouldn't be all-powerful and all-knowing. He wouldn't be God. He'd just be a really, really smart person. And today, there's going to be a, a really simple answer to this question of how can I know God's will? And my warning for all of you, wherever you find yourself in your spiritual journey, I absolutely hate churchy answers. You know those just overly simplistic answers that some person just gives you just to kind of placate you? Like if you're ever around kids, you ask them, you know, what did you learn in church today? Like my daughters go, Jesus. I'm like, no, you can't. That's well, that's good, but what about Jesus? I try not to give those churchy, simple answers. But today is going to feel like that. But it is the answer. It is the answer to discovering God's will. And if you want to live your life in a way that reflects God, in a way where you worship him, in a way where your life might get loud, this is the answer. And we find the answer back in verse 1. It's when Paul wrote these words, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. You see, to understand God's will in your life, you must view God. It starts there. In Psalms chapter 32, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, meaning God's going to instruct you. He's going to reveal to you his will. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. What an amazing visual picture that God is looking at you. Here's a question. Are your eyes locked on him? Parents out there. And if you're not a parent, uh, I'm sure your parents did this to you. I find myself daily looking at one of my girls. Kier is uh, 10, Claire 6. They're both going on 16. And uh, I find myself going, hey, eyes, eyes, look at me. I'm talking, look at me. Look, 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 no, uh, 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 look. Their eyes shift everywhere because this is what I know as a parent. If my girls, if they're not looking in my eyes, 
they are not paying attention. It's just true. And their eyes start shifting everywhere. I'm like, back at me, back at me. I, I will sit here all day until you lock eyes with me. And I, I make them because I know if they're looking everywhere else, they're not listening to me. And I think God is doing the same thing to you and me. Hey, look, look, look. Oh, up here. Come on. No, don't shift. I know you're busy. I know you're Blackberry. I know your iPhone. Like, come on, come on. And God's saying, if you will lock your eyes on me, you will discover my will. In Matthew chapter 14, there's this moment where Jesus comes walking on the water, which is just a cool moment. And Peter's like, I want to do that. And he steps out of the boat. And he's actually walking on the water. And I'm sure he's thinking, man, the stories I get to tell today. And in Matthew 14, it says, when he saw the waves, he sank. When he took his eyes off Jesus, what happened? He sank. Eyes on Jesus? Man, walking on the water. Eyes off Jesus, sinking. And that's it. God saying, hey, eyes on me. And when your eyes on me, you will follow in my footsteps. Like, let's say if we tried this today. I walked up to one of you and said, hey, I want to try something. I'm going, I'm going to lead you out of the building. But here's the rules. You're going to walk backwards. You just need to look me in the eyes, and I will guide you down all those stairs. And you take a step backwards and take another step backwards, and we're locked eye to eye, and I'm guiding you. What are those emotions? What are those questions? Can I trust this guy? What if he slips? What if I slip? What if he steps on my foot and I fall? What if, what if, what if, what if? And it all comes down to trust. And that's what God is calling you to. You want to discover God's will, his perfect and pleasing will. It starts with locking eyes on him. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, and let us run with perseverance the race Marked out for us the race of God's will, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Here we go again, fixing our eyes on Jesus. You see, we look back to Romans chapter 12, and Paul started off saying, Hey, in view of God's mercy, when you lock eyes onto God's eyes, when you wake up in the morning and your first thought is, okay, God, you, you and me today. You and me. And when you lay your head on the pillow at night and you say, okay, God, yep, there's moments where locked eye, on, eye, eye to eye and there's moments I took my eyes off of you and I started to sink and I did some 
bad things, but tomorrow's a new day. And God says, yes, my mercy, tomorrow's a new day. See, because he's not expecting perfection. He wants your heart to say, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to lock my eyes on you. In view of his mercy, then Paul goes on and says, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, meaning that you approach this life not as the only life you have. Because you understand one day you'll be in eternity with him. But you look at this life as God, what can you do in me and through me to impact other people's lives? That's the it might get loud part of this. God wants to use you. And you might be sitting there going, I don't know if I believe in God. He still wants to use you. That's part of the journey you're on. It's why we developed really, really cool invite cards. For you to reflect God, his love to those that he brings across your path. To live your life as a living sacrifice, understanding this place, this world, this time allotment that you have is temporary. That this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And God's saying, hey, the world's pulling you to conform you to the way the world is thinking, how the world processes the world's values. And he said, no, 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 no. Don't, don't allow that to happen. And every day, you need to fix your eyes and renew your mind. And it's the continuous pursuit. And then, and only then, will you understand God's will is good and perfect and pleasing will. You see, at that moment, you're in step with God. The band's going to come up. And what we wanted to do in this series was to give kind of a moment of response. Uh, the other three weeks, we had these moments of reflection, but today it is about you. You see, God wants your life to be loud for him. It's just, it's what he's called you to. It's what he wants from you. And when you fix your eyes on him, you will see how he sees. And your heart will beat how his heart beats. And the things you're afraid of, lessen. And the things he wants you to do will become clearer. And so my encouragement for you in this moment is to say a simple prayer. God, I'll fix my eyes on you. It starts there. That's the ballgame. God, I'll fix my eyes on you. I'll fix my eyes on you. And when my eyes shift, I'll get, get them back on you. And when I look down, I'll get them back on you. And when I look on myself and my selfish uh, tendencies, I'll get my eyes off of me and I'll look back at you. God, I'm going to commit to this continuous pursuit to fix my eyes on you.
I ask in this moment for you to commit to God. It's between you and him today to go on a journey with him.